0: Good morning church! Good morning. <laughs> it's good to be back together again and uh, around the Word of God, around worship. Thank you to the worship team for the lovely time of just taking us into the Lord's presence and it is so wonderful as we meditate on the words of the songs we've been singing I allow the Holy Spirit to, to minister to us. You know, it is so, so true. And uh, so it is great to be together. Those of you Watching online, please take note that just now, after the message, we're going to take part in communion. So, please have your bread and your juice ready. For those of you here in house, there will be a cookies sale outside the kids' church building. After the service, the proceeds of that cookie sale will go towards children with cancer, okay? So please, when you're after the, the service, go and do something which is of good value as well and supporting these people. Yanay um, Teixeira, one of our Kids Church volunteers, will be selling them on behalf of Rainbow and Smiles. So please support her. The cookies go for 10 rand of bags, so get us off a few, all right? right in the backyard by the kids' church building after the service. Amen. Okay, we have something to pray about as well, something very important, but you're going to do that a little bit later in the message, things you're going to relate to. But right now we're going to continue. We continue with our city's mission possible, and today is part two, and we are going to talk about your mission field in a message called mission field, all right? So, we started last week, and we said that following Jesus and and responding to the great commandment, you know, the great commandment, you know, you must love your God and your neighbor as yourself. And, And some people think, oh, loving God is easy. Oh, loving myself, not too bad. But loving my neighbor, those difficult people out there, I'm not so sure about that. Well, that's the great commandment. Love God. Love people. Love yourself. And I know that some people struggle to love themselves. I know that is a very real situation. And so that is the great commandment. But it's also the great commission which Jesus gave us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. And when Jesus gave that commandment, He wasn't just talking to the, to these disciples, the eleven of them, and then later twelve and so on. He was talking to the church, to all of us. That Great Commission, it's for you too. And for me. Not just for pastors and evangelists. Not just for people called to the ministry. The Great Commission is for everybody. And of course, we have all been called to be godly stewards of what God has placed on this planet and of what God has given you. And so, we have to be godly stewards. Great commandment, great commission, godly stewards. Man, when you think of the size of this mission, it sounds impossible. How on earth can little me do all of this? (coughs) And you know what? It is impossible if you are going to do it in your own strength. If you're doing it all by yourself, it will be impossible. But Jesus did not leave us alone. He didn't just give a command and say, here boys, do it and goodbye. (laughs) See you in a couple of thousand years. No. When he left, he sent us Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, He came to be with us, in us, always with us. He came to empower us. He came to teach us. He came to comfort us. He came to reveal God's Word to us. Jesus left His written Word for us, the Bible, which we all have access to. In your cell phones, you've got multiple versions, translations of the Bible, multiple languages. And so we have God's Word. We have His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the Word and makes it alive for us. And so with the Word and the Holy Spirit, we can now do this mission. And so Mission Impossible suddenly becomes Mission Possible. And that is what we are talking about. And so last week, we took note that our mission is really to be good stewards of everything God has given us. And so this, this this whole talk about mission and what is your life about, what is your calling, what is your purpose in life, that's your mission. But all that boils down really to being Good stewards. Remember, stewardship is usually associated with finance and material possessions. And we dealt with that last month in our series Money Matters. But from Genesis to Revelation, we find that humanity was created to look after and develop what God has created, what He has put in our hands. Humankind was created. To be good stewards of what God put on this planet. Whether you're a Christian or not, we are created to be good stewards. And let's face it, we've made a mess of it. Just look around. So many natural disasters taking place because we have made a mess of manage, managing the natural resources of the earth. We've created stuff and we've abused stuff. God gave us the ability to think and to create and to explore and to expand. And with that knowledge, we've created some good things. (laughs) But we have also created some horrible things, which is destroying our planet and destroying mankind. We heard last week that we are already equipped for the mission So often we struggle, oh God, why am I here? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What am I supposed to do? But we heard last week, and if you missed it, can go back and listen to it. We heard last week that we're already equipped for mission. We have all been given specific gifts and talents, Romans chapter 12 gives us seven motivational gifts and we are all here in this house, all of you watching, all of you listening, you are a mixture of those seven motivational gifts. And you've got one which is a dominant one and one or two which are secondary and tertiary ones which shape who you are. But apart from that, we have other spiritual gifts. We have the the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit can give to us to pass on to others. There are ministry gifts. When people are called specifically to the ministry to teach and, and preach and so on, and equip the body of Christ. Now all those gifts are in the house. We have a mixture of those gifts. You don't have to be a pastor to shepherd somebody. You can shepherd somebody by being an ordinary member of the church. I was a pastor long before I was ordained as a pastor because my heart was in shepherding people. I didn't need a title to do that. It was my natural gifting. You see? I've never had to fight for position. I want to be this, I want to be that. No, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. And so whatever you're wired up to do, you will do it. But but it is up to us to, to discover our gifts, to mine those gifts, to develop those gifts, and to use your gifts. As we heard last week, use it or lose it. God has given you. He has equipped you. has given you gifts and abilities. But if you don't use it, you will lose it. And so each one of you here, and we're trying, I'm trying to look at every one of you here, because I want to include you in this. You are all gifted for ministry. You guys watching? I'm looking at you now. And if you're listening, I'm looking at you too. Okay. You are gifted for ministry. Ministry means service. You are gifted for service. You have a purpose. And your life can touch people's life. In good days and bad days. I'm just looking at Jeremiah and Lerato. The back there, guys, our hearts are with you. As God brings healing. But on... Monday at the funeral, in a moment of pain, these two precious souls sowed seeds of the gospel in those who were here. In the middle of pain, they testified of the love of God. And people were touched, were challenged. And that's us, guys, as a Christian, doesn't matter whether you're in school university, doesn't matter if you are a workman, if you've got your own job, your own business, if you're a skilled worker doing work for a boss, whether you are the boss, whether you are retired, whether, no matter who you are, this whole matter of mission and of stewardship of your life, because what is mission is being a stewardship of your life, not just of money, but of everything God has given you, your time, your talents, your treasure. That is the whole of life. And that's what God has called us to do. And we saw last week that we have been equipped for that. We have all been given a measure of faith. We have all been given different gifts according to the grace given to us. We are members of one body. Everyone's gifts are needed in the body. We are one body. The church is one body across the earth. But the church gets together in local congregations, local churches like us here. And we complement one another. You have gifts, I don't. I have gifts, you don't. And we all need to work together to do the work of the Lord. To bring the gospel out. And these gifts are given to us, not for us to keep, but for us to serve others with these gifts. And the Bible calls the proper use of these gifts, faithful stewardship. So to be on mission is to be a faithful stewardship. In your work, in what you do for a living, whether you work at home or from home or in any place you are working, you are working for the Lord. Oh, but that guy pays me. He's my boss. No, he's not. The Bible says, do whatever you do as unto the Lord. If you have that mindset, it will change how you look at your life. And today we're going to look at another story, which is hopefully going to change the way we look at our circumstances. But you see, the place you use your gifts is your mission field. And that's the topic of today's message. But before I move on, I want us to pray. As you know, there is a strike going on, hospital strike. Nurses striking because they want more chele, more money. And listen, it is okay for you to fight for what you believe is yours. It's okay for you to fight for a better life. It's okay for you to fight for your rights, let's call it that. It's okay. But it is not okay when your desire for money is more important than your concern for lives you see there was a tree in the garden the tree of good and evil right and wrong and man ate from that tree and until today we want to see what is right what is wrong what is right what is wrong what is good what is bad and if I'm working and I'm not getting paid, it is bad. And therefore, I am going to strike. There was another tree in that, in that garden, which man did not eat from, but which you and I are invited to eat from. What tree is that? The tree of life and death. Listen to me, people. Our life on earth is not so much about what is right and wrong, as it is about life and death are you hearing me it is wrong that i work so hard and i get so little money i agree with you but when you fight so much about that that people die that becomes wrong you are called to serve the lord And some professions carry more weight in terms of human survival than others. If I am a plumber and and I miss two days of work, the worst that can happen is water is going to get wasted or somebody is going to have to use a bucket in the toilet. But if I'm a doctor or a nurse and I just stay away from work to show them how important I am, lives are going to be lost. I dare not do that. There are people in this nation and there are people across the world, because this is not a South African problem. This is a universal problem. Look in the news. People are striking and going rampant for the most stupid little things because they want their rights. If you are a good steward of your life, you work for the Lord, not for the government, not for the boss, not for the client. You work for the Lord. To you, lives matter. And therefore, you are not going to leave your post because somebody says, we've got to stop now. We've got to show the government and you've got to show the boss. We've got to show this. We've got... Uh-uh. Christians don't do that. And what is sad said is that many of the people striking. On Sundays, they're in church singing. And praising the Lord. And then on Monday, they're causing death to people. Folks, with the whole matter of strikes. People are dying. In fact, one of our sisters I just spoken to me this morning. Her daughter is a military nurse. The army has dispatched nurses to try and fill the gaps in the hospitals. But they're not enough. It's a drop in the ocean. People are dying. The people that most need care are dying. Because of carelessness and because people are not being good stewards of their lives. And so I want us to pray this morning about it that there'll be a mighty intervention. Tomorrow, there's a call for a national shutdown. How on earth is that going to help the economy? How on earth is that going to help us as a nation? We're already in dire straits. The government hasn't made enough mess as it is. We need to recover from things. We need to put our heads together and work together. When you shut down, you break things down even more. Come on, folks. And that's not about politics. I'm talking about common sense and biblical principle. The first century church, over over a century or two, they changed the world. The book of Acts gives the story of the first maybe 20, 30, 40 years of the church under oppressive, abusive government. You don't hear of Christians striking Christians served the Lord. They loved God. They loved people. And because of that, situations began to change. People were changed. We cannot undo the word of God. If we're going to change our world, we have to do it God's way. We have to embrace our mission no matter how hard it is. No matter how much pain, how much suffering we might be in, embrace the mission and trust God with the results because they will come. There is a time to protest. There is a time to speak up. There is a time to vote and put your cross. There is a time to confront the boss and confront the authorities, but not when it causes more harm, not when it causes death. It's about life and death. Whatever we do must be with the aim of bringing life. It's not about right or wrong. It's about life and death. Amen? Can we just stand for a moment and just pray for the nation right now? Join us, you guys online. If you're listening, just join us. Because there isn't a a reasonable answer. There isn't a human answer. That we can just say, we need to depend on God and ask God to intervene. And so, Father, this morning, we join our voices to the voices of so many Christians. So many, many churches and so many prayer groups. So many people across this nation who love you and who are calling on you, oh God, for a change and a solution in the nation. For an end to these strikes. For a normalization of hospital services, Lord God. We pray, Father, for tomorrow, Lord God, that there will not be chaos and violence and death through these demonstrations. We pray, Lord, that there will be, Lord, somehow, somehow some hindrances to, to, to so that bad things don't happen, my God. We pray for divine intervention and we pray for the restoration of this nation, God. We pray to raise up godly men and women, godly leaders, people who are more concerned about their mission, more concerned about life and death than their own personal positions, my God. That will fight for the rights of people, will fight for the right things so as to bring life in a way that brings life. And so, Father, we pray to have mercy, my God. Mercy, my God. Mercy, oh God. Bring a change to this nation and all those who agreed said amen. amen amen thank you you may be seated praise God so let's quickly talk then about your mission field your mission field and many believers they struggle with the question of where and how are they to serve the Lord what is my calling? What am I to do? Where am I supposed to go? Must I be in full-time ministry or not? Must I, must I stay in South Africa? Or must I go and be a, a missionary somewhere far away? And people struggle with these things. And if you follow the Lord, if you want to serve God, you, you may come at, at times in your life where you wonder about this. Many believe that serving the Lord means being in full-time ministry, going to a foreign nation, preaching the gospel there, Or it means hearing a specific word from the Lord. I have called you to be this and this and that. A specific word from the Lord. Calling you and and gifting you to be a a prophet or or a teacher or a children's worker or whatever. I've called you to be a pastor. I've called you to be a missionary. And, And listen, those things happen, okay? Words do happen. God does sometimes call people by a prophetic word. Or by a, a strong word in people's hearts. Nothing wrong with that, but some people they do nothing until they hear something. They stuck. Now I've seen this. Okay, I've been in ministry for a long time, and and, I, and I've seen this happening. I've had to struggle with this myself. No, because I came to know the Lord at quite a young age. I was in high school. And and then I, went, when, I finished school, when I finished school, I was thinking, God, what now? Do I go and study or do I go for the ministry? Do I go to Bible school? Do I go to something else? And, I, I, and to me, it was always I, I struggled because I've got many different interests. But some things I knew in my heart. I knew I had a calling from the Lord. And I knew my calling was to start here in Pretoria, but I didn't know when. I didn't know how. It was a struggle. And so I had to learn these things as well. And here's the point. Sometimes, when you're not sure of what God wants you to do, you do nothing. You just live your life, and you go to work, and you come home, and you eat, you pay the bills, and you're always in this thing, One day God is going to use me. One day God is going to call me. One day I'm going to do something wonderful for the Lord. (laughs) And you live in this bubble and your life is completely useless to God. Which is not the way it's supposed to be. Because as I'm trying to show you today, you see, then then of course there are people who don't even think about calling. All right? They don't even think about this. Why? Because they're too busy just trying to get through the day or, or through the week or, or, or through the month. They've got kids. They've got bills to pay. They've got commitments and, and the pressure from work. And, and, and all they're trying to do is survive. And in that rush and the hustle and bustle of work, they don't even think of ministry. They don't even think of doing something for God because they don't have time. Man, I barely have time to get to church and and worship God and listen to the word. Now I'm ready, I can go survive another week. And so you see, you get these two groups of Christians, of people. Some are waiting for that calling, they want to serve God, they're waiting. And others are so busy, they've got even time to think about it. So they're just going on with their lives. (laughs) Add to that the fact that some of you are just focused on getting your school days over or your varsity days over. Some people struggle with health issues. Some people struggle with relationship issues. Some people struggle with jobs and and business and financial issues. And the last thing on your mind is, where am I going to preach the gospel? (laughs) Where am I going to serve? Where am I going to serve and preach. Who am I going to serve and preach the gospel to you? And yet the call to stewardship remains for all of us. The great commandment remains for all of us. The great commission remains for all of us. And so perhaps the story I'm going to tell you now, it's a story of the nameless goal will help us find an answer to the question of our mission field. The story of the nameless girl. Now, this is a well-known story, but the the perspective of the story and the title, um, you know, nameless girl, comes from a a book which I have been reading from Mark Green called uh, Fruitfulness on the Frontlines. And and I thought it was so appropriate because the vast majority of kingdom agents remain nameless. Guys, we are 2,000 years down the line from Pentecost. And there are some well-known names in history. You know, certain preachers and certain people that made a, a big impact. But how many thousands, millions of believers have lived their lives on this planet, done something for God through their lives? They've honored God. They've kept the church going. They've reached people for Christ. But we don't even know their names. We don't even know their stories. So the vast majority of kingdom agents remain nameless. And you and I may be one of these nameless agents. But I want you to hear the story of this nameless girl. We don't know her name. But what we do know is that she was living in a war zone. Very much like Ukraine right now. She was living in a war zone. And we know that she was a believer in the one true God, the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the King of the universe, the shield of David, the shepherd of Israel, the Lord of hosts. Now, when you hear all these titles, I think you can put it together. That this girl was Jewish. She was a Jewish girl. She believed in the God of Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and all these titles I've mentioned are all Old Testament titles for God. And the story can help any one of us see our situation different. Hopefully, as you hear the story, you will see your situation, no matter what it is. Hopefully, you'll see it differently. It does not matter if you are a skilled worker, a business person. It does not matter if you work at home or from home. Whether you are a traveling person, you could be a scholar, a student, or a retired person. This story can help all of us to see things differently so what happened on an ordinary day like any other an enemy raiding party comes down from the east and that's what raiding parties do the girl with no name is captured taken away and ends up as a slave in a pagan household in a pagan land Working for the enemy commander's pagan wife. All right, you read the story in 2 Kings chapter 5. This girl now is isolated from other believers, she's separated from her family and friends, and she has nothing but a life of slavery in front of her to look forward to. She's just a girl. Probably no more than 13 years old. A teenager. Hmm? How's that for a life situation? What, what emotions are going through you as you think about this? And so this commander, the guy that, that led the raid the, the, into this town where she was, she ends up working in his household for his wife. How is this girl going to serve her God in that situation? she she finds herself in the wrong job. <laughs> you ever felt in the wrong job? She finds herself in the wrong job in the wrong place with the wrong people with the wrong present and facing a wrong future. As a teenage girl, she had so much to look forward to. This was not it. She's in the wrong everything. She must have thought, where is God in the middle of all this? She must have longed to be somewhere else. Now, here's another thing. The commander, you know her... Her mistress's husband, the master and the mistress, now she works for the wife of the commander. The commander, she finds out now that the commander has leprosy. Leprosy. He's a pagan, he's in charge of the army that raided the town. And now that she's in captivity, she finds he has leprosy. What is her response to the enemy's illness. What would your response be? If you get taken captive. And you're working for the commander's wife. And now you find out. The commander has leprosy. Go yes. Take that you. Huh? That will teach you to mess around with God's kids. <laughs> I hope you have a horrible and long death. <laughs> Many. Of us would probably think like that. At least maybe for a second or two, and then you would repent. Oh God, I'm not supposed to think those thoughts. However, this girl doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. She could see it. This is God's punishment for his idolatry. This is God's punishment for him serving idols. This is God's punishment for him hurting God's people. But she doesn't do that. Her response is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 3 and yet it is she said to her she said to her mistress if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy she finds out the man is sick This oppressor that took her away from everything, destroyed her life, he's dying. And so she says this, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. She was referring to Elisha, who was prophet in Israel at the time. Come on. She's not looking to punish the enemy. She's got pity on him. She wants to see him healed. She wants the best for him. This girl with no name doesn't want Naaman dead. That's the captain's name, Naaman. She doesn't want him dead. She wants him healed. She loves her enemy. Long before Jesus came along and said, love your enemies. That would come later. Back then, the story was more like, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was more the Old Testament style. But this girl comes and she loves her enemy. Despite the fact that she has been taken into captivity, despite the fact that her circumstances might lead her to believe that the pagan gods are greater than her God, where was her God when she got invaded? So maybe the pagan gods are stronger. Now, despite that, she still believes that her God can do what the pagan gods cannot do. Her God can heal this man. And furthermore, despite the fact that the, that her God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, supposed to be a God for the Jews. But she believes that God's grace can go beyond the Jews and touch other people. And she's right. Because God had told Abraham that through him the nations would be blessed. Not just the Jews. And so she utters her one sentence. Guys, we know nothing about this girl, this nameless girl. We only know this one sentence that she spoke. Okay? If only my master could see the prophet, he would be healed. One sentence, spoken in love, spoken with care. And that's all. She utters this one sentence. What were the consequences? As you read the story, you know what happened? Naaman gets healed of his leprosy. Then Naaman becomes a believer in the one true God. And then Naaman's whole household, he says, guys, wife, kids, servants, everybody, we're going to serve this God. His whole household begins to serve God. They put their faith in God. But not only that, because as a commander, he brings his whole army to to know the Lord. And because he's an influential guy with the king of Aram, that's the the nation where he came from. Because he knows the king of Aram, he speaks to the king and then the whole nation. They learn that the God of Israel can do what the pagans' gods cannot do. And they give glory to the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and by the way, so does the king of Israel because he thought God is not going to help these guys and God did. They were, wow. So one simple sentence by one nameless girl in a very uncomfortable situation. But she understood what her mission was. Her mission, no matter where she is, is to be a representative of the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. No matter where she was, she wasn't there for them, she was there for God. Her life was in God's hands. She was serving God. And so to God be the glory for all these things that happened. How did it come about? Through one simple, short, loving, pale, faith-soaked sentence uttered by a teenager. It wasn't much, just one sentence. But in God's hands, a little bit becomes a lot. And that is how all this came about. Now, she wasn't a powerful girl as far as worldly powers go. She wasn't highly educated as far as worldly education goes. She wasn't an influential person. She was a slave girl in a patriarchal, you know, culture where women meant nothing. And yet she stood up for her God. She brought hope. She brought light. She brought love. And the whole nation was touched. By a simple sentence from a nameless girl. Where was her mission field? Right there, as a slave girl. To her human thinking, I'm, ho- I'm in a hopeless situation, I'm a slave, my life is over. But from a godly perspective, she saw herself as I am. On foreign mission over here I'm gonna shine for my God and she did she did now wasn't this unnamed girl in in the wrong job in the wrong country with the wrong people don't you think she must have longed to be somewhere else don't you and I sometimes long to be somewhere else Oh, man, with all these strikes going on, maybe I should be somewhere else. (laughs) England, New Zealand, Australia, China, Japan, I don't know, the moon, Mars. (laughs) Don't we sometimes wish this job is so lousy, I wish I was somewhere else? Mm. And, And listen, guys, nothing wrong with aspiring for change. And if you're able to do something else, to go some, that's really the desire. There's nothing wrong with aiming and preparing and doing that. But the point is this. <laughs> what if, what if, at least for now, for right now, today, tomorrow, this week, what if for right now, you are exactly where God wants you to be in your mission field? What if? Huh? That school you go to, those friends you've got, that boss, that client, that colleague, that co-worker, that teacher, that (laughs) neighbor—what if, for now, maybe next week or next month, you know, you might go somewhere else? But what about if for now, that is your mission field? What if God wants you? To use your gifts and your abilities and and the things He has gifted you with. Your stuff, your time, your talent, your treasure. What if God wants to use that to touch somebody, to serve somebody right where you are right now? And and I know that some of you actually do this. I, I know believers that they use their place of work as their platform for ministry. In different kinds of situations. And I think that's the point we, we need the conclusion we need to arrive to. See, what if the footprint of God's earth that we occupy, and I often say this, that we'll occupy a footprint. When the Bible says, you know, if if you if you honor God, if you if you repent and so on, he will heal your land. But what is my land? I don't own South Africa, I don't even own Pretoria. But what is my land? My land is that footprint that I occupy. It it was at one stage the school my children went to. It's the places that I go to, where I shop, where I live, where I do church, where I do business, where I do, you know, whatever I do with my life. All of us have a certain footprint that you occupy. What if God wants you to start using that footprint? Look at your footprint. They say, how can I serve God in my land? In the piece, in the portion of God's earth. The piece of God's earth that I occupy. Huh? Think about that. Because our mind is always there. One day, one day, one day, one day. One but what about right now? Who knows how God might work through any of us? on our daily activities. Many who God has used were not missionaries or preachers in the traditional sense of the word. Yeah, there are people that go out. They go to other countries. We have two such situations associated with our church. Madalena came from Brazil to work in Mozambique all by herself as a single lady. Worked there for many years. Now she's based in South Africa and she's working to Portuguese-speaking nations and beyond. That was her calling. And a couple, you know, Jamie and Lee, they came from America to work in Africa, Central Africa. Learning new languages and spending most of their lives here. Now they've moved their base to South Africa as well. You'll hear, you hear more from all of them later this year. But there was a calling, a specific calling to go somewhere else. But most of us will not get that calling. For most of us, our mission field is right where you are. Or at least at your starting point. And then from there, you might transition somewhere else. But if you cannot serve the Lord right where you are, if you cannot use your gifts and your talents right where you are, don't expect God to use them somewhere else later. You are who you are right where you are. (laughs) Amen? And so... Where is the time and the place of your mission field? And as I bring this message to a conclusion, I'm going to ask the ashes, please, to distribute the the communion cups because you're going to have communion very briefly. So ashes, please, go ahead and start distributing the cups as I continue and I bring this message to a close, all right? So let's talk about the time and place of your mission field, okay? The time is now. Yes, you might have an aspiration of one day being full-time ministry or one day being a missionary over there or one day doing something else there. But right now, today, and this coming week, your time is now. Your time is now. And where is the place of your mission field? Thank you very much. Where is the place of your mission field? It's right where you are. Right there where you stay, where you work, where you do gym, where you go to school, where you study, where the clients you see, your boss, your whatever, whatever you do, that is your mission field right now. And from what we've learned so far, you must do the best work you can. Honor God with your work. It is wonderful when you meet professionals who do a good job. They bring a blessing to you. And why don't you become a blessing to others by just doing a good job? You know. Like if you're a nurse, just show up and be a nurse. <laughs> that is your mission field. The skills you've got. The trader that you've got. The ability that you've got. That is your mission field. So even if you have a vision or a goal and a plan for future mission and and you're preparing for it, your now is your place of mission. While you wait for that, serve now. Be alert. Do good work. Find your gifts. Use your gifts to serve those around you. Now, I I, I read the following this week in a letter from a Fuller seminary, and they said the following, we believe We believe a thriving life is a life on purpose. In other words, a thriving life is a life on mission. And and that's what you're trying to do in this series. Help you understand that the Christian life is an exciting mission. A thriving life is a life on purpose. Now, listen, finding purpose matters for a thriving life. Your purpose matters to live in mission. But each of us finds purpose in our own unique contexts within our families, churches, communities, and broader systems in which we live. Can you hear the footprint coming here? The footprint? That's where you find your purpose. We each have unique gifts, talents, and passions that inform our purposes. You can be passionate about something which doesn't interest me at all. And my passion could be just boring for you. And so each one of us has to find our own. Then he says, our ethnicities and countries of origin inform our purposes. The needs that we see around us inform our purposes. There is a beautiful diversity in how we fit in and contribute to creation. See there? stewardship. So I hope this kind of helps us to realize that this matter is very simple and yet very complex. We are all so similar and yet we are different. We are all a unique combination of many factors. Although the mission is one and is clear, the way each one of us carries out that mission will be unique to all of us. Therefore, people, redeem the time. Ephesians 5 Verse 15 and 16 says, see then that you walk circumspectly. And that walk circumspectly basically means walk according to the will of God. The, the knowledge that you've got of the will of God, walk according to, to that. Verse 15, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What I like to say is this live your life to the full, but don't live your life like a fool. Huh? (laughs) So walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we have to redeem, we have to make good use of our time, be good stewards of our time. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, those unbelievers. Walk in wisdom to those who are outside, redeeming the time, making good use of time. Because time is now. So redeem the time. Oh, your time is now. Hebrews 3, 15 says that today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Just do it. Obedience is the key. Do what the Word says. It reveals the will of God. So as much as you know the will of God, do it. As you're growing and learning more, do what you know and listen to the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given us his written word and the person of the Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us. So, my question to you now as we go into community is this. Would you accept the challenge that you are right now positioned by God in your mission field? In spite of all the pressures and the challenges, and the difficult people, and the circumstances. That is your mission field. How can you serve God? How can you bring the light of God? How can you bring order? How can you use your skills, your talents, your abilities to serve, to help, to bring life right there where you are? Huh? Are we willing to do that? If a nameless teenage girl can do it, then I think all of us can do it too. Amen? So today, as you take communion, and remember what Jesus did for us, how about we, we renew or we accept the challenge that now and here is our immediate mission field? Are you okay with that? Let's stand up. Let us pray. Those of you at home, you can get your bread you're ready. You're going to pray for the bread first. You can just open you, the top part and get the bread out. Lord Jesus, your body was broken for us. This bread reminds us of that. And your body was broken for us so that we who are many could be one body in you, Lord. And today we are reminded of that. That in all our diversity and all our uniqueness, we form one body. You brought us together, Lord, through your sacrifice. We were scattered, but you brought us together into the family of God. And today, Lord, we want to come to you and either say, Lord, we accept the challenge or, Lord, we renew this challenge, Lord God. Our commitment to accept our present situation as our present mission field. We understand, Lord, that life has its seasons and later the seasons may change, our field may change. But today, Lord, right where we are, this is our mission field. Help us, Lord, to be your body to those outside, to those who don't know you yet, Lord Jesus. Help us to be your hands and your feet and your voice to those who don't know you. Help us, Lord, to serve and bring glory to God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take and eat in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the cup, for the fruit of the vine, which reminds us of your blood poured for us on the cross so that, Lord, we could have a relationship with God, We would not be distant, separated by sin anymore, but because you pay the full price for our sins, Lord Jesus, today we have peace with God. We are sanctified and justified. We can stand before God like this, talk to God and pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And thank you, Lord, that we have a relationship with you, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that because of your sacrifice, Holy Spirit now lives in us. And so we are not alone in our mission. And so, Father, I pray for all of us here, those of, uh, watching and, and those listening, Lord God, that no matter how difficult our mission field may be, thank you that we are not alone. remind us of this today, Lord, that we are not alone. That we are in relationship with you. That we are, we are not supposed to do this thing on our own and by our own strength. But we shall be led by you, Lord God. Be alert to the right moment to say the right thing. Just like that nameless girl was alert. And at the right moment, she said one sentence which changed a nation. God, help us to be alert, Lord God. To say that one word. To do that one action. To be at that place aware of what is going on. To be a blessing. To serve somebody. And to bring glory to God. Thank you for your blood, Lord. Thank you for this relationship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink from the cup of blessing. Hallelujah. Well, folks, I hope this simple message and the story of the nameless girl... (laughs) Helps bring some perspective to your life and to my life. Right now, right here, right where we are. Let's do mission for God. Let's be agents of the kingdom for his glory. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us. As we enter now, our mission field, and bring glory to God. Amen and amen. God bless you. Give God the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.